Uh, good morning. Hey, you guys are still here. How about that? Good deal. Everybody watching online, glad that you're joined us. Hey, don't forget, like and share the live stream so we can get the message out there. Today is Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, my goodness. I got the football jitters. Who's going to win tonight? Who's going to be? Okay, who says Tampa Bay? Let me hear it. So Tampa Bay can't speak, but you can raise hands. Okay, let me hear Kansas City. Is Kansas City going to? I think Kansas City might win because I think their fans are a little more rowdy. Yes. Let me go back to Tampa Bay. Is Tampa Bay going to win tonight? Yeah. Eh, 50-50. Pastor Josh, what is the Holy Spirit telling you? Well, I'll tell you. If I were going to put some money on this game, I would nothing. I wouldn't put anything. No, uh, man, I'm pulling for Kansas City tonight, and here's why. I love Tom Brady and the Lord. But that's about as far as it goes, man. I just, golly, you can't argue with his record, but come on. Just, golly, I just I don't know if I'll be able to sleep if he wins another one tonight. Good grief, man. Can, can I just be raw and real with you this morning? I don't know if I can sleep if he wins another Super Bowl. Golly. Plus, where is he going to put it? Like he's running out of fingers anyway. He's going to start wearing rings on his toes. Golly. Tom, quit frustrating me. Get out of the game. Good gravy. Um, but Super Bowl, Super Bowl party tonight. Listen, if you're not planning on being at the Super Bowl party, let me persuade you. Come to the Super Bowl party tonight. It's going to be fun. Tons of food, tons of food. We're telling everybody to bring your favorite football food, your favorite dessert, enough to share with people. The church is going to be providing burgers and hot dogs just to get the food train going. But I know this, you guys usually bring some good groceries. And what we try to do when we have get-togethers at the churches, we try to get together enough food that makes Golden Corral look like a taco truck. That's what we want. We want, we want to pack this place out with food because everybody knows that a good church can't get together without the food, right? So we're going to have some fun tonight. You guys watching online, if you're in the area, come hang out with us. The fun's going to start at 6 o'clock. Some of us will be manning the grills a little bit earlier than that. You can bring, if you got a piece of meat, everybody say meat. meat. Oh, if you got a piece of meat that you want to throw on the grill or chicken, fish, whatever, we'll have hot grills going so you can barbecue yourself silly out there and then like everybody jealous when you walk in and eat that beautiful piece of meat in front of them or you could share. Uh, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun tonight. So uh, make sure that you guys hear lot, lots of board games, lots of fun stuff going on cornhole tournament going on. I heard there'll be some Texas Hold'em going on tonight. Uh, I also heard that there might be an unofficial Madden football tournament going on in one of the rooms tonight. So if you got the game, bring the game. We'll see what you got on Madden tonight. Uh, Josh, you might go down. I don't know, man. We'll see. <laughs> see how it goes. Uh, but we thought, since we're on Super Bowl Sunday, um, hopefully we won't see a crazy comeback from a guy named Brady tonight, but who knows how the game's going to go. Well, when I think about sports, though, one of the, the more exciting things about any kind of game is when a team is down and they're able to come back and win the game. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Man, these awesome comebacks and these, these stories of players overcoming struggles. And I brought some clips to show you before we get into the message, though, of what are some really cool comebacks. Maybe not the greatest comebacks in sports history, but some really cool comebacks. Uh, how many of y'all are Georgia fans out there? Once again, we can raise hands, but we can't talk. How many of y'all are Georgia fans out there today? That's what I'm talking about, UGA. I'm praying for you. God will just deliver you from whatever that is that made you choose Georgia. But, hey, Georgia had this guy named Herschel Walker that played for them back in the day. Probably one of the greatest running backs to ever play the game. Georgia won a national title. Herschel Walker had a key part in making that happen when he went over the top and scored a touchdown in this play right here. Check this out. Gotta be Walker, touchdown! Touchdown! And they won. A lot of people don't know this about Herschel Walker, though. He played most of that game with a dislocated shoulder. Can you imagine the pain that One that formality Ran for over 150 yards, scored a few touchdowns, and sealed the game with that over-the-top touchdown against Notre Dame. Won him the national title. That was a huge comeback. He was overcoming pain, overcoming adversity. 
and he had an awesome play at the end of the game to make it all worthwhile. But that's not the only comeback I want to show you this morning. This is another one, and it's from a playoff game about a lifetime ago, but it still rates as one of the greatest comforts. One formality remained before the Bills could make history. Bills can win it here. Wright puts it down. The kick is on the way, and it is good. And the Bills have won it. The Bills have won it. The Bills have a Bill. Look at the fans pouring onto the field and the mob scene on Steve Christie. It was so good, it blew up our computer, and it couldn't show you the whole video. That was crazy. The Bills were down 35-3 to and came back and won the game. That is crazy. That is an insane comeback, and they won the game. Now, this is one that's a little bit local. How many of y'all love the Braves? Braves fans in the place? Man, you, you love the Braves because sometimes they disappoint you. Yeah, we can, oh, oh, oh we can do that today. <laughs> Get going. Now, Y'all remember the year when the Braves went from worst to first? Yes. Yes. Do y'all remember the ending of the NLCS game? Yes. When the Braves went into the ninth inning, three runs down, and their bats came alive, and they started to work a comeback in that game, and then this play happened. Check this out. See if you guys remember this. He hacked at the 2-0, now the 2-1. Line drive and a base hit! Just as the score of the time run, Green to the plate, and he is safe! Safe at the plate! The Braves go to the World Series! The unlikeliest of heroes wins the National League Championship Series for the Atlanta Braves. Francisco Cabrera, and Atlanta pulls out Game 7 with three runs in the bottom of the ninth inning. Whew, man, I still watch Sid Bream running like that. I'm like, don't fall down, don't fall down. You can make it. He didn't look like he was going to do it. He put everything into it, man, but he got it. Comebacks. And comebacks are awesome in sports. Comebacks are great in life, too, though. And I think a better comeback than any comeback that was ever, ever made in sports history was when Jesus came back from the grave. The ultimate comeback. The ultimate comeback when Jesus came back from the dead. And it's not just cool that he did it, but he did it in style and he did it in fashion. He even folded the robe when, before he walked out of the tomb. You know what I mean? Nice and neat. Just going to send a little bit of message here. It's amazing. Um, he showed himself to all the disciples he appeared to more than 500 people and countless others after he was risen from the dead to make it bulletproof that he actually did what he said that he was going to do. And outside of what we know in the Bible, there is a ton of historical data and proof that shows that there was a guy named Jesus. He was executed on a cross. He was put into a tomb, and they can't explain what happened after that. Because he was seen walking around the streets of Jerusalem. He was seen on the beaches eating fish with people and hanging out. And everybody in the whole daggum city watched him ascend into heaven, up into the clouds. How do you explain that? There's no explanation for it other than God did what he said he was going to do. It is an irrefutable historical fact that Jesus died and rose from the dead. The greatest comeback in all of history. And I think that one of the reasons why it's so powerful is, isn't just the fact that he did it, but it's what it means for you and me because he did it. I mean, look at the life of Jesus, guys. I mean, think about this. Everything he did while he was on this earth, he was overcoming, overcoming. He overcame temptation when he faced it. He faced trials and troubles in this world, and he overcame every one of them, people issues, pressure from government and religious entities, overcame all of it. He went to the cross. He died for our sins. He was that sacrifice for you and me. And he overcame sin on the cross. But when he came back from that grave, 
and overcame. Listen, when he overcame death, hell, and the grave, that changed everything for you and me. Because that validated everything that Jesus said. That validated everything that he said about you and me. That validated who he was, and that validated everything that the Bible says that we have and that we can be in Christ Jesus. When he came back from the dead, he changed it all. Every promise, every promise, every powerful word of encouragement spoken in the word of God was validated when Jesus came back from the grave. And I know I'm not telling most of us in this room anything that we don't already know. You know, have you ever stopped to think about how powerful some of the promises are that we have in the Bible? They're amazing. I mean, think about this, John 16, 33. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he, he breaks this down like this. Check this out. Listen to what he's saying here. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. How many of you know that's true? You get a big amen on that. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Overcome the world. Look at Romans chapter 8. I'm just going to rip through some scriptures here with you this morning. Romans 8, verse 11. Let this get in your spirit today. It says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, is living in you, and he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. The very spirit that raised Jesus from the dead and sealed all these promises for us in that action lives inside of you if Jesus is in your heart. How awesome is that? Romans 8, 37. I'm going to wake you all up for it's through this morning. Romans 8, 37 says, No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Somebody say more than conquerors. More than conquerors through him who loved us. Philippians 4, 13. It reads like this. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Somebody say all things. You know what that means in the Greek when you look it up? It means all things. Got some scholars in here. I love it. All things is what it means. There's nothing that God says that you can do that is impossible because Christ dwells inside of you. Awesome. All sealed because he came back. And I think it's great because not only did Jesus seal all the victories for us, but he sealed a way for us to be able to come back to the Father in relationship when he was raised from the dead and finished the work that he did on the cross. But he also made a way for us to come back when we get hit by life. He made a way for us to come back when times get tough. when things don't go the way that we want them to. And I look at all these verses that I just read and all the other verses that you see in Scripture, and you ever wondered why there's so many promises about the things that we can do in Jesus and so many Scriptures about who we are in Christ and so many encouraging Scriptures in the Bible telling us to not give up but to persevere and to keep moving forward? Because God knew that life is going to be hard sometimes. And he knew sometimes you're going to be pushing with everything that you have in you. And the mountain's not going to move. And you're going to need to stand on the promises and the truth of his word. Because while the mountain's not moving, I want you to listen to me. He's busy working inside of you. Perfecting his will and his gifts, and what he's placed inside of you. And all those encouraging scriptures are there so that we don't tap out and give up and fall away when life gets hard. And and I I was praying over this message this week, and God just started dropping a lot of things into my spirit to share to you guys. You know, there's not 
You're, you're not here by accident today. You guys that are watching, you're not watching by accident today. Um, I see faces in here that I haven't seen in a long time. Maybe this is for you. Maybe God brought you here today just to hear this. Um, these scriptures are great. Most people know scripture. The Bible doesn't do us any good if we don't apply it to our lives. And I was praying over this, you know, this week, Lord, what, what is the disconnect and why do people not apply your word to their lives like they should because it's there? And I know that people believe in you and they believe that Jesus died on the cross for their sins and I know that, that, that they believe that that relationship's been restored. So what's the disconnect with us when we face life's issues and applying the word of God? And he spoke to me pretty strongly and he said one big reason is because many people feel like God's word is for others and not for themselves. You feel like that stuff is true and you don't argue the validity of the word of God. And maybe you even think some of it's true in your life, but you think most of it's true for other people. You know, those people that are really holy, those are the ones that give and then see God bless them when they trust him with their finances. But when you did it, it didn't work out the way you thought it should have worked out. So it works for them, but not for you. And you prayed for healing for a while, and then you've seen people pray for healing for not a long time and get healed while you're stuck in the process. And you say, wow, I, what, what is I guess it works for them and not for me. And I want to remind you this morning that God is not a respecter of persons. And the word of God is true for every person. And the same Jesus that died on the cross for me died on the cross for you. And the same Holy Spirit that put every promise in the word of God for me put every promise in the word of God for you. Because if it's not true for you, it can't be true for me. God's word applies. I think it's the experience of life, though, that gets us frustrated and makes us disconnect in a way so that we, we feel good about saying we believe in God and we feel good about saying we believe in Jesus and we feel good even about going to church and putting on the smile and putting on the face and lifting our hands in worship, but deep inside we're disconnected because we really don't believe that this junk works the way that it's supposed to work because if it really did, why would I be where I am? And maybe we feel like sometimes that we've gone so far in the other direction that we've gone too far for God to do anything with us anymore. And I'm your skirt this morning, and I don't want to throw any, like, you know how preachers sometimes will come up with these real clever phrases and throw them at you, and they sound real good, you know, and it's like, um, God wants to use this setback as a setup for a comeback. It's really good. That's a good preacher phrase right there. I bring the house down in the right setting, you know. God wants to use your mess and turn it into a miracle. Ha ha! Starting to come on me this morning. Crazy. God wants to use that test and turn it into a testimony. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with it. It's true. Statements are true. But they bounce off people like you. Because you've already experienced too much life. Too much hurt and too much pain. And I may only be talking to one person here this morning. But I want you to dial in and I want you to listen to me. Because God put you on my heart today. And this whole message is for you. You're disconnected. You're disconnected. You're worn out, you're tired, you're disconnected. You face too many battles and you're ready to put up your sword. You're disconnected. Life's been hitting you too hard and you've got too many questions and not enough answers and you're disconnected. And I'm here today to tell you that it's time for you to come back.
And I get it. I know what it's like to be hit by life. God Almighty. I know what it's like to be hit to your knees. I know what it's like. Sometimes like who was having trouble in her marriage, her and her husband just weren't clicking. They became just emotionally distant. She found a new friend at work to talk to. And over time, they became closer friends. And she began to get her emotional validation from that person at work instead of from her husband at home. And it was just fun in the beginning. And then it led to lunch. And it led to a couple of dinners. All the time she was getting more distant from her husband. And then finally it ended in an affair. And she became pregnant. And she didn't want to abort the baby. So she had to go back to her husband and come clean because she couldn't hide it any longer. So this is what's been happening. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I was wrong. And he couldn't do it. Separated in an instant. Divorced her as soon as he possibly could. So she goes back to the guy at work and says, I guess it's you and me because my husband's done with me. And he goes, ah, there, there is no you and me. I don't have a baby in my plans. I didn't sign up for all of that. I was just having some fun. We're done. She finds herself alone, trapped in the consequences of her mistakes, divorced. The other guy doesn't want anything to do with her, and now she has a baby on the way, a single mom with no support. Her life and her eyes is over. Maybe you're in that situation because you feel like mistake after mistake after mistake has put you in a place where you're unredeemable. Or maybe you you think you can be redeemed and you're trusting God to forgive you, but you know that you're just not worth putting back in the game to do anything for him. I got some encouragement for you, and I want you to listen to me if that's you today, okay? Before God called you, he knew about the mistakes you'd make. He knew about every one of them. Now that's kind of encouraging in a way because God knew you were going to be stupid before he put his call on your life. Now isn't that kind of a relief? Hey, look at the person next to you and say, guess what? God knows how dumb you can be. (laughs) He, He knows He knows. He knew about all of that and still placed his gifts inside of us and still put his call on our lives, knowing the mistakes that we would make. Pastor Josh, how can you even say that? I can say that because he loved us and sent his son to die for us before we ever wanted anything to do with him. He proved his love for us. Wow. God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He gave everything for us when we were in the deepest, darkest, most sinful season of our lives. Every sin that we have committed, every sin that we will commit, Christ died for every one of them. Whether we would accept him or not, he died for the sins of all humanity. He's already proved that he loved us. Uh, Why would it be a shocker then for God who makes that kind of a commitment on love to then make that kind of a promise over our lives, knowing full well that we don't have what it takes to carry it out to completion without him. Nothing to do with our salvation and really not much to do with accomplishing God's call except for moving one step at a time in the direction that he's called us to do it. He takes care of the rest. I don't think some of y'all got this yet this morning. Before God called you, he knew about the mistakes that you would make. When he was making a covenant with Abraham, and he was telling Abraham, your, your descendants are going to be innumerable. I'm going to take your descendants, and I am going to create a nation unto myself. And they will be my people, and I will be their God, and I'm going to lead them to the land that I have for them. They're going to be my chosen people. When God was making that promise and that covenant with Abraham, he told him this. 
I'm going to do all of that stuff, but here's the deal. They're going to be overrun by the Amorites because they're going to turn their back on me and walk away. And they're going to be put into slavery because their hearts will not belong to me. And there are going to be periods where they're going to, because of the choices that they made, have to be in places that they shouldn't be. But don't worry, because their hearts are going to turn back to me. And I am going to bring them into the land that I promised. See, God was telling Abraham in the beginning when he made the covenant, I know they're going to make mistakes, and I'm still putting my promise on them. I know they're going to turn their back on me, but I'm still going to call on my people, and I'm still going to say that I'm their God. I know they're going to be there, but I'm going to send someone to deliver them and bring them out. I know what they're going to do, but I'm still going to accomplish my promise over you and through those people because they turn back to me. When Peter was about to make the biggest blunder of his entire life and deny Jesus, Jesus told him what was going to happen before it happened. He said, listen, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Three times. Then he said on the back side of it, once you have repented and turned back to me, Strengthen your brothers. He knew the mistakes that Peter was going to make, but he still put a promise there. The calling was still there. Now, why would you think that God would do that for everybody else and not for you? It's still for you today. God knows the mistakes that we're going to make, and he still calls us. He doesn't turn his back on any of us, and that's big for us to understand, okay? Your mistakes and your sins do not intimidate God one bit not one bit you need to hear this too God has not given up on you God has not given up on you he hasn't turned his back on you he hasn't washed his hands of you he still loves you as much today as he did the day that he stretched out his arms and gave his life on the cross for you. He has not given up on you. Now, I know I'm talking to somebody here this morning. I know I'm talking to somebody online today. He has not given up on you. Second Samuel chapter 14, verse 14, it reads like this. Listen to this now. All of us must eventually die. Woo, boy, that's encouraging right there. All of us must die eventually. But look at this. Our lives are like water spilled out on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. But God does not just sweep life away. Instead, he devises ways to bring us back when we have been separated from him. Have you ever thought about God up there devising a way? devising a strategy to bring you back into his calling, to bring you back into relationship, to bring you back into the power that he gave you. And I'm telling you today that God has sent me as a plan to bring you back today if you will just open up your heart one more time and listen to what I'm saying to you. God has not given up on you. He didn't give up on Moses. Moses was a murderer. A lot of times we forget about that. Moses was a murderer that was running as a wanted felon and running from the call of God. And God devised a way to bring Moses back to him. God went to him and spoke to him through that burning bush. Oh, and here comes the back and forth. Moses says, I... You, you don't understand what I've done. God said, I don't care what you've done. I care about what I'm going to do through you. Moses says, yeah, but 
I'm not qualified to do any of this stuff you're wanting me to do. And I think sometimes we, we feel like the mistakes in our past have disqualified us from doing what God wants to do in our future. And I want to say to you the same thing that God said to Moses. Moses, Moses was standing there and God looked at him and he said, what's in your hand? What do you have? What, what is in your hand? Moses is like, this staff. And God said, that's enough. I'll use what you got if you'll surrender it to me. See, we forget that it was that staff that Moses had. Moses didn't think he had leadership skills. Moses didn't think he could communicate. Moses said, who, who am I going to tell these people are sending me to tell the stinking Pharaoh of Egypt to let all these slaves go? Are you kidding me? Who am I going to tell them? God said, I am. You tell them I am. You tell them I am because I can be anything that's needed to be in any moment. And if you will just give me what you have in your hand, I can take it. And what you think is little, I can do much with. You forget that that staff is what was used to bring the plagues down on Egypt to let the people of Israel go. That staff is what was used to part the Red Sea that the people of Israel could cross on dry ground. That staff is what was held up in the air while Joshua was fighting a battle and gave them the victory. That staff is what was used to bring water out of a rock. If you will give God what you have, he will do much with a little. But don't you think you don't have what it takes because you got a hand that God can use if you'll give it to him. You're not too far away to be used. God has not given up on you. Look at the life of David. David had it going on until David made his mess up. Y'all still with me this morning? David had it going on. But listen to this. David had fought a lot of battles. David killed a lion. He killed a bear. He killed Goliath. He had fought in battles and wars. And he was known as a great warrior and had these mighty men that gathered around him. And and the Bible says that the army was going to go out to fight one more battle And David decided not to go out with the army. And it says, in the days when kings would go out and lead their armies in the battle, David decided to hang back in the palace. I'm speculating here, but I wonder if David was just tired of fighting. I wonder if David had said, you know what, I put in my time. I've seen God drop the giants. I've seen God give the victories. And I've got the scars and the tired muscles and the bad dreams. I've done my part. It's time to send somebody out to fight now. Listen to me. Exhaustion. Exhaustion is a deadly enemy. Exhaustion leads to complacency. If David was exhausted from fighting the battles, we know it was complacency that kept him in the palace. Let somebody else go out and lead. Let somebody else have a turn at this. I'm tired of being the one to always have to fill the gap. I'm tired of being the one to always have to do this. It's time for somebody else to step in. I've been doing this for too long. I'm too old. There's too many other people that could be doing this, but God hasn't called them to do what he's called you to do. He's called you to do what he's called you to do. And David illegitimately let somebody take his place on the battle line. And when he did it, y'all know the story. Here comes Bathsheba looking all good. And David's exhaustion and compromise led to a bad decision. So he sins. And then he has to conspire to commit murder to cover up the sin. So now he's sin times two, living in the castle. Listen, you never hear about David crying out to God. You never hear about David repenting, trying to get right with God. You see David trying to cover up the mess that he made and let it be all good until You read further down and it says that God sent Nathan the prophet to David. 
Think about that for a second. Let me ask you a question. Why do you think God sent Nathan to David? Do you think God sent Nathan to David to pronounce judgment on him, to drop fire and brimstone from heaven onto him? Or do you think God sent Nathan to David because he knew the condition that David was in? And he sent his prophet to him to bring him back. Because God does not give up on us. He doesn't give up on us. He didn't give up on Peter either. I hope this is encouraging somebody today. He didn't give up on Peter either. Peter denied Jesus three times, called down curses upon himself, walked away when Jesus was dead. Peter left the ministry, walked away from it all, and went back to being a fisherman until Jesus went to him and called him back into the ministry that he had called him to and restored him, and forgave him, and turned him loose to be everything that he was created to be, because God does not give up on us. Today is wrapping up 21 days of prayer and fasting in this church. I've had some of the most powerful encounters with God over these last 21 days, I think that I've ever had in my life. And different times, different nights, different people come in and pray. And God would show me, you know, they would come in and I would remember key points in history when God moved powerfully in this individual's life or that individual's life. And watching people come up here and pray and lift up their hands and worship God. I remember when that joker was dealing drugs and now he's up front on a prayer night worshiping God. And we got to baptize a whole family last week. See the awesome things that God does in the lives of these people. And I was thinking back over all the amazing things that I've seen God do in me and through me to impact other people. Even over the last nine or 10 years, guys, I've seen, I've seen over 1,500 people come to know the Lord. And services here and services preached at other churches and crusades and conferences and missions trips and funerals and all of these things. Man, I've seen God do some powerful stuff. I've seen God set people free. I've seen God restore marriages. It's been amazing to see what God has done in and through my life. And God was showing me all of this stuff at one of the recent prayer nights. And it was like, it was like my whole life over the last nine or ten years just flashed before my eyes. And it was just highlights of this, highlights of that, highlights of this, highlights of that. And I was like, God, you're so good. And then he took me back to a place. About 10 years ago, when life wasn't so good, he took me back to a place where in not quite a year of life where I saw the business that I was running to provide for my family completely fall apart. He took me back to a time where I saw the ministries that I were overseeing in the church, they began to fall apart almost as fast as my business fell apart. My wife and I lost our home, ministry, business, home. And just when I thought things were picking up and getting better, and business was starting to come back, and it looked like there was a hope of ministry on the horizon, you know. And as the ship was turning, wife gets pregnant, we're all excited, and then we lose the child. And it's like, here's the rug, let me pull it right out from underneath you. And all during this time, when ministries were kind of falling apart, I... 
business was falling apart. I had to take jobs that were out of state at the time to go work to try to at least provide bare minimum food on the table, provisions for my family. So I was running myself crazy and burning myself out with all of this stuff happening, all this weight on, and fixing to lose the home at that time. And from good friends that I thought were friends at church, I began to get the harshest criticism because I wasn't around enough and I wasn't doing what I used to do. And I'm like, bro, are you kidding me? I'm not getting paid to do stuff at the church. My family's got to eat. This is the only way right now. I'm doing the best managing both that I possibly can. Wasn't enough. You get things said to you like this. Well, the past is the past, but all that really matters is what you've done lately. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? We lose the baby, and these great compassionate people in the church, they say stuff like this. It really sucks that you lost your kid, but we've got work to do, so you need to get over that and get back into the game. Are you kidding me? I just lost my kid like five days earlier. What planet? Do you, now, I've learned that people in church can say some of the meanest stuff ever. So now I've got all this crap going on. I just lost a child, and now I'm experiencing all of this ostracization and hurt from the people that I thought that I could trust because if you reach out to one group of people and know that they're going to be there, it should be your church family, but they weren't there at the time. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So I put my focus on being there for my wife, and I help her get back up on her feet again. But I don't really deal with or process any of the stuff that I've been walking through. I remember the day. I said, I'll be back in just a little bit. I told my wife I was going to go on a walk out in the woods. And I kissed her. I walked out the door. Went about a half mile back in the woods. And I sat down. And all of the weight and all of the exhaustion and all of the pressure came down on me at once. And I was going to start praying, but before I could start, it, it just became overwhelming and over. Have you ever been there in life? Man, overwhelming. Oh, I just began to feel like, you know what, I just don't think I can do one more thing. I've got nothing left in the tank. And I pulled out my gun because I never go in the woods without my gun. And I chambered it. And I put it in my mouth. And I thought, I'm just going to end it right now. I'm done. Done. It's too much hurt. It's too much pressure. All the doors that I thought would be open are closed. What can possibly be left for me to do? And I sat there for about 30 seconds with that gun in my mouth. People don't think about the damage. And I bet you if any of those people would have seen me at that moment, there would have been a thousand I'm sorry's. And well, once the cut is there, the cut is there. You know what I mean? I put my gun down. I said, God, you got to talk to me now because I'm done. Kill me now or let me kill myself or change this and do something through me. 
burn out. Devastated and hurt. Dead on the inside. I felt God's presence surround me. This is not the end. I am not through with you yet. And maybe I went through all of that and got to that point so that I can stand up here today and talk to somebody in here or somebody online and let you know God has not given up on you yet. Okay? God has not given up on you yet. And he still has a calling. And he still has a purpose. And it doesn't matter how exhausted you are. It doesn't matter whether or not you're ready to let somebody else take the baton and run because you have fought so many battles and you're just ready to hang out in the palace. It doesn't matter if you think you've blown it and made too many mistakes. It doesn't matter if life has crushed you. It doesn't matter. He has not given up on you. And we serve a God of second, third, fourth, fifth chances. We serve a God of healing. We serve a God of restoration. We serve a God. And he's not done with you yet. Like, golly. He took me back to that point and he said, if you had stopped then, you would have missed the season you threw. You would have missed all of those souls being saved. You would have missed all of those marriages being restored. You would have missed seeing your daughters grow up. You, you would have missed. Don't give up. You don't give up. You don't give up. Because with God, there's always the opportunity for a new season. For a new season. Now, my mistake was I got caught up in the whirlwind of what was happening. And the devil sent the attack at the perfect time. And I didn't have my defenses up. And I allowed myself to get hurt. And I didn't stand on scripture. And I, I just allowed myself to get pulled down and played like so many people before. And, and maybe that's where you are today. Hey, guys, it's time to snap out of that. It's time to snap out of that. Today is a great day for a new beginning. Today is a great day for a new beginning. I want to read something for you. Romans eleven twenty nine says, For God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. Now, if you read that, the temptation is to read it wrong. And you read it as, if God's put a call on your life, then he's got you trapped in it, and he's got you boxed in it. That's not how it reads. God's callings and God's gifts given by him without repentance. And they cannot expire. He's not given up on you yet. Even if you feel like you've wasted the greatest years of your life, I'm here to tell you the greatest years of your life can be yet to come. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all you can ask or imagine. According to his spirit that's at work within us, he's not through with you yet. And I'm talking to people that are tired, and I'm talking to people that are ready to tap out. 
and I'm talking to people that are ready to let other people take the reins and take the baton that God has called them to carry. And I'm talking to people that feel like they've blown it and they can't make it and have gone too far for God to do anything with them. And I'm here to tell you that all of it is a lie. God knew. God's not intimidated by any of it. God hasn't given up on you. I want to pray with you today. I just don't want to talk to you. I don't want to make you cry. I want to pray with you. And I want to watch God restore and renew and strengthen. I want to watch God do what he does best in your life today. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Heads bowed, eyes closed. No one looking around. Man, I feel the presence of God in this place. Guys, I'm telling you, if he can heal and he can restore and he can do what he's done in my life, and if he can sustain me in this crazy season of COVID like he has, I know that he can do the same for you. He's not a respecter of persons. I want to give you an opportunity to let God do something powerful in your life today. You know who you are, and you know where you are. If you're in any one of those situations, maybe, maybe you're, not, you're not as far as I got where you're ready to pull the trigger and end it all. Maybe you are. Don't walk away from your calling. Don't walk away from God. Don't walk away from him. He, is, he has put me here today to call you back. If you need to be renewed, if you need to be restored, if you need to be healed, if you need to get back in the game, if you need to pick up that calling of God, it's time to shake off that exhaustion. Wait upon the Lord and let him renew your strength. It's not the time to run from the responsibility. It's the time to press in and let him take you further in his strength than you can go on your own.